has a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah... Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people. On RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night, 20th of June. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane. I got one question for you. Sure. Do you have brain freeze? Uh, <laughs> I thought I did, but no. <laughs> it's a ritual at Right Side Patriots that right before we go on the air, Diane has an ice pop. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. you, you were a little late, uh, you know, getting uh, to your desk tonight, so the ice pop began a little late. Therefore, it finished a little late, and I was afraid you were going to give yourself brain freeze. No, that's ice cream. That's not. It doesn't happen with ice pops. It happens only with ice cream. I mean, you you plowed your way through that. What what was it? A strawberry ice pop? Yeah, a strawberry one. Uh, that you know, I haven't had an ice pop in decades. But if I did, that would be one of the ones I would want. Oh, they're they're really good and they're healthy. And um, as people, a lot of people know, I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat meat. I don't careful what I eat. I'm not a vegan by any means. But um, these, this brand, uh, I forget the name of the brand right now. They're very clean. There's no chemicals, and they're good. You know, I'm sure the ones we had when we were kids were probably 100% chemicals, but <laughs> they were good oh, anyway. Sure. You know, <laughs> I mean, that that's just, you know, that was just part of it. I used to love them when I was a kid, but I haven't had one in decades. Ah, okay. But if I did, strawberry would be right at the top of the list. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, before we get into quick hitters tonight, let's talk about what's coming up in the uh, second and third segments of the show. You and I have co-written uh, a piece, uh, and it kind of takes two different topics and blends them together. Right. Right. The title on this thing is The Boxes Hoax on Steroids. Right, and that title relates to President Trump calling when um, the Mar-a-Lago raid happened and the aftermath of it happened, a boxes hoax. So this is sort of a continuation of that. 
and things that are possibly in the works that might not be constitutionally correct. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff swirling around right now, and we're taking on two parts of that, the the Biden box hoax, obviously, and the possibility that Biden could wind up pardoning himself. Well, the thing we have to worry about right now is today with Hunter saying he's going to plead to minor tax charges and and gun charges, which are basically a misdemeanor. And don't be surprised if upon leaving office, Biden pardons Hunter, which he might well be able to do. Now, as I understand it, Hunter Biden has already entered the not or the the guilty plea uh, mm-hmm. to those, and and like you said, they're misdemeanors. They're all three charges or misdemeanors: two tax charges and the gun charge. Um, you know, if uh, if it was Eric Trump, for instance, they'd be looking at jail time, possibly hanging them in the town square. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you know that would be the case if the last oh, name was Trump. Absolutely, yeah. but the one thing he can't get out of is the charges, uh, the influence peddling with Ukraine. Yeah, That's no. not part of this, right? Now those charges haven't even been filed yet because all of that is still under investigation. Yeah, an investigation by you know DOJ and such. Watch that right. go nowhere. Right now, you know, let's let's just be just point blank, brutally honest here. The investigation into these three charges, the gun charge and the two IRS charges, has been going on for five years. Five right. years. And this right. is all they could come up with? Really? No, this is all they were allowed to come up with. That's There's ent- a big difference. That's exactly correct. Mm-hmm. That is 100% correct. They had to do this in such a way that it was a soft sell, that it would go nowhere. There's no jail time, no jail time. You know, you plead guilty. It's a couple of misdemeanors. You get told, please don't do it again, and you, you go on your way. Not only that, it was done so as not to hurt uh, Daddy's campaign. What, you know, what passes for a campaign. Yeah, well, that's a whole different topic right there. (laughs) You know, the basement dwelling campaign. You know, if somebody named Trump had a gun illegally and lied on the application to get the gun, what do you think would happen to them? Uh, Let's see. He would have been in New York at the time, so probably Bragg would have another charge against him. At, At least. At least, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, this is, they, they can't even, they, they can't, they're not even trying to hide the the dual uh, justice system anymore. Right. They're not even trying to hide it. No. It's, it's, it's clearly it's, in the open. Um, the only way we're going to get rid of it is, first of all, I think the House should bring up impeachment charges against the DOJ itself. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that it would go anywhere in the Senate, but that would be interesting. 
the Senate, the Democrat senators who are up for re-election in 2024 might be a little more willing to bend on this. Well, some of them, it depends on just how deep blue their uh, their states are. Exactly. You know, and, and that would determine that. But let's look at some of the quick hitters because... That, you know, this Trump thing, uh, that's that's all been swept, or I mean, uh, the Biden, Hunter Biden thing, that's all been swept under the carpet now, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and the, they will try to, uh, the DOJ and, and everybody say, well, see, see, we brought Hunter up on charges. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Trump, in an interview, said he, at one point, had a conversation with Vladimir Putin and that conversation, according to Trump, delayed the war. And uh, I tend to think he's probably right about that because, Diane, he said that he told Putin, don't do it. Well, he might have done just that. He might have told Putin not to do it, had a conversation with him, whatever. Vladimir Putin is as arrogant on his end as Trump is on our end. And that's not meant as a negative criticism. What it's meant to say is, yes, Putin might have listened to what he had to say, but he didn't hold off on invading Ukraine because of Trump. He held off on invading Ukraine because he felt it wasn't the right time for Russia to do such a thing. Well, he it, needed, he was gambling on Trump losing in 2020. He knew he could get away with doing what he's done under a weak president. Which we so Trump's have now. Warning, Trump's warning, in my opinion, had nothing to do with the delay. Putin well, uh, took into consideration the timing, the people involved, and he needed also time to align his allies. I think, you know, I, I think we'll never know the truth, okay? Um, I, I fully believe Trump told him, uh, don't do this. You know, don't, because everybody knew he had his eye, Putin had his eye on Ukraine for a long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially right, yeah, after, yeah. yeah. Uh, especially after uh, Obama, you know, let him take Crimea, you know, and Mm -hmm. all that. So, you know, he had his eye on Ukraine for quite a while. I I tend to think this war in Ukraine, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, would not have happened if Trump was still the president. Um, I think he may have held off. Uh, at least until Trump was out of office. But, you know, when when he saw what we supposedly elected in 2020, I, you know, it, it was on as far as Putin was concerned. So at that point, he knew it, Biden was, was a sham. You have to think of it this way. The election was in November. Trump leaves office at the end of January. Putin had those couple of months there to invade if he wanted to while Trump was still president, and he didn't. Right. I think what what you had here is two individuals that sort of um, 
came up against each other on an equal state, you know, standing as far as Trump's ego versus Putin's ego. Uh, You can't do this. Yes, I can. You can't do it while I'm president. Okay, I'll wait. Right. I I think personality-wise, of course not politically-wise, but personality-wise, I think they're both the same. I think I think if Hillary would have won in 2016, the invasion of Ukraine would have happened very shortly after that. Because I mm-hmm. don't think Hillary would have cared. I don't think she would have stood in the way. I don't think she would have warned him. I don't, you know, she she no, had the reset the, button. She sold our Ukrainian, uh, our Uranian to them. Right. She'd be right in there opening the doors in Ukraine. Right. You know, with her reset button. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. This, these yeah, are two Putin. strong-willed individuals right. that were not going to back down to each other, but they were not going to cross each other either. Right, and and you know that's. I think everybody was pretty well aware that when the invasion began, it was because Joe Biden was in the office. Um, you know, I mean, as as soon as that transition took place. You know, we talked about it on the air. Putin started moving, um, you know, battle-ready equipment towards the Ukrainian border. He started positioning tanks and positioning troops. And we talked about it, you know, over and over and over again uh, on this show. And uh, we, I think we even wrote about it. I think each one of us actually wrote uh, an op-ed or two uh, in, mm-hmm. the, in those months leading up uh, to the invasion. And I think it was pretty clear to the entire world that that invasion was not going to happen if Trump had remained in office. But with Biden, with with the weak missing link in office, why not? You know, Putin, yeah. Putin looked at that and said, well, that's the open door I've been looking for. See, the one who had the advantage here was actually Putin because he could wait it out. Well, and, and don't think, and don't think Putin doesn't have the goods on Biden. Of course and, he and, does, and he, you know, he he probably let it be known, backdoor channels, you know, hey, don't uh, don't get in my way because I got the dirt on you, pal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, the, Putin is no dummy. The hell, he knows how to get what he wants and what he thinks Russia needs. He's not a stupid man. For anybody who thinks he's a stupid man, you're way off base. Yeah, you're reading the guy wrong big time. Exactly. And he basically, he and Trump are very, very similar in temperament, mm-hmm. in personality, and you, know, you have two strong personalities coming up against each other you're not going to have a winner or loser per se but you're going to have more of a stalemate and that's what happened until putin realized trump was not going to win in 2020 yeah then then all bets were off exactly you know the stalemate broken and ukraine gets invaded um you know it's uh it, it was a ticking time bomb as it was, mm-hmm. you know, but it it wasn't going to go off, 
until Trump was out of office. And But man, the minute he was gone, the minute Trump was gone from office, Gaty barred the door. Well, don't go there either, because when did Russia invade? Oh, uh, Biden took office, uh, what was it, January 20th? He yeah. didn't go into Ukraine till the end of March. Don't right. it, it? It doesn't but, happen that fast in right. the real world. But but very very quickly, long before he actually went in, he was moving his troops. He was moving armament. He was moving tanks. He was moving artillery. He was moving planes mm-hmm. and helicopters all to the front. So, and we did nothing. And we yeah, did nothing. We just. Stood but you there. know what? None of that matters anymore. Because just last week, he started moving nuclear weapons into Belarus. That's what people should be more concerned about. Yeah, but nobody's nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about it. I did. I put it up as a thing. Right, right. (laughs) Um, But you, you go through the mainstream media, they're not talking about that. No. That's what you have to worry about, folks. He said he's not doing anything. He's just deploying. Right. But... Do you believe Putin when he no. says something? No, <laughs> no, you know, absolutely he, not. These are not these are not the um, earth blowing up weapons. These are tactical nukes, and that's what he has been threatening all along: tactical nukes. Right. So I think people need to start focusing on that and stop focusing on what was. You better start focusing on what will be, because tactical nukes, while they're not world-ending, they can cause a lot of damage. Well, and if you get into a tit-for-tat, that can escalate. Who's going to give Ukraine nukes? Nobody. Well, nobody. But, but, you know, would somebody pick on Russia if Russia picks, picks a nuclear fight? I don't know. Not us, I mean, that's for damn sure. Not, not, not now. We have an office. No. No, that guy can't even shoot his own mouth off and get it right. right. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, that just is. Um, Alvin Bragg is getting sued. And, and <laughs> I, frankly, I'm happy about it. Uh, he is refusing to release the prosecution records in the Trump case, and he's getting sued for hiding them. Right, he's getting sued under the Freedom of Information Law, which is known as FOIL, because um, it was requested that that information about his office's possible communication with the Justice Department, the White House, and Democrat lawmakers, you know, they all were part of the prosecution of Trump. They fed and and this is why the documents were wanted. They fed Bragg information. Yeah, if there was nothing to hide, he'd turn them over, right? Exactly. That, and my guess is there's a lot to hide. Yeah, and a lot of this has to do, in fact, 34 felony counts have to do with the falsifying of business records in the first degree, they call it. Good grief. Yeah. You know, that, and again... You know, we've talked about this before. That's charge stacking, um, you know, just to make it look like it's it's worse than it really is. And, you know, it, I think if you dug into some of these quote-unquote charges, you, you would find probably accounting errors in some of those. I mean, 
you know, this is anything at all to charge Trump with. That's That was Bragg's whole thing. Hell, he ran on it. Right. And by the way, it was the Heritage Foundation that requested these records and, and then filed the complaint when Bragg wouldn't turn them over. But what Bragg was alleging is that Trump falsified New York business records to conceal what's called damaging information and unlawful activity from American voters before and after the 2016 election. Do you really think the voters would care about Trump's personal business dealings? I don't think so. I don't think so. (laughs) I mean, that's just me, but... You know, I mean, look, the guy is a high, high, you know, price businessman, uh, you know, for decades and decades, a real estate mogul, you know, call mm-hmm. him, call him what you will. That guy had more irons in the fire than any 20, 30 other people you could ever imagine. And, you know, I mean, with, with all the different, uh, deals that he was involved in, uh, from hotels to, apartments to golf courses to this to that you know and not all in new york either i mean the the business was based out of new york but yeah and trump was very big on apartment buildings we have numerous trump towers here in florida and hotels i mean he was multifaceted you know i mean and is anybody i mean i'm just willing to bet if you actually look at those falsified business records, they amount to a hill of nothing. Probably. You know, Probably. I mean, that's And a lot guess. of them, I think, had to do with taxes and things. Well, um, and, and yet, and, and that's a good point, and I'm glad you brought that up, because they finally got, <clears throat> excuse me, they finally got a hold of Trump's taxes and poured through that stuff with a fine-tooth comb and found nothing. Nothing. <laughs> you know? Right. You know, I mean, uh, People accuse rich people many times of using tax loopholes. Well, guess what? They do use tax loopholes, but they are legal loopholes. Well, and and, Trump- and that's the big difference. How many people themselves use loopholes to avoid paying, let's say, higher taxes or whatever? You're not breaking the law because the laws you're using to reduce your taxes are legal. That's all Trump was doing. And Trump in in 2016 in the debates even said as much. Yeah, he said, I pay very little taxes because I have good tax attorneys and they find the loopholes and we use them. Right, but they're legal. They're there. Anybody can use them if if they have the right accountants. Yeah, Trump said, don't blame me for the tax code. I didn't write it. Right. You know, and those loopholes exist in there, and why wouldn't I use them? You know, exactly. and I mean, it makes perfect sense. So I, and I think after they couldn't find anything in the taxes, and that all came out dry. You know, as as far as you know, we're going to get him on tax evasion and all this. Then I think they switched to this. You know, the the falsifying business records. Come on, really? Yeah. Yeah, they they all the Trump things were were a fishing expedition as payback for 2016. Well, you know, if you don't dot an I or cross a T, oh my God, that's a fraudulent business form. <laughs>
Right. You know, I mean, I, th- I think that's what this amounts to when you get right down to it. You know, it's piling on. I think the voters see it. You know, I, I think people understand that, that this is all kangaroo court stuff. You know, it's it's like the it's it's like when they impeached him twice. They couldn't even come up with a witness. Oh, we have witnesses and we'll produce witnesses. We've got ironclad evidence. They couldn't produce any of it. No, because it didn't exist. It's all fabricated. The the left side loves to fabricate things and tries to pass it off as truth. And they figure if they tell their lie long enough, people will accept it as truth. You know, and I'll tell you what, quite honestly, anybody who gets the Republican nomination, they're in for that treatment. Oh, of course they are. You, you know, I mean, that's that's just the way it is. Remember in the impeachment when they brought forth a parade of witnesses who had to yes. admit under oath that they witnessed nothing? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Well, you know, this is round two, I guess, or round three or five or 12. I don't know. I lose count. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of uh, ridiculous, isn't it? Now, here's something interesting. Uh, the judge down in Florida has set the date for the preliminary trial for Trump in the document case for this August 14th. Right. And uh, the left isn't happy because they wanted this to drag out through the primary season. It could very well be wrapped up before then. You know, it's going to be interesting uh, come August 14th because... At the preliminary hearing, I suspect that is where a lot of motions from Trump's team of attorneys are going to be presented to the judge. Of course. And in a lot of those, they're going to be able to point to some things that I think could <clears throat> could very well wind up getting the case thrown out. I mean, well, time will tell. But uh, that's why, as, as Diane, you just said, the, the the left wanted to string this thing out till next summer because they I think they know they've got a pretty weak case. And they thought, yep. well, if we can string it out and get enough of these things going on at the same time next summer in, in the heat of the, the campaign, it'll ruin him. Well, in a couple of minutes, we're going to get into our joint article, but there is one charge. And... I will speak about it, that Trump, unfortunately, is guilty of. And I think they're going to start zeroing in on that. And it's quite quite interesting because constitutional uh, scholars, experts, and I've been monitoring all these sites, have basically come to the same consensus that I do. There is only one charge there that holds some real validity. Well, we'll talk about that and we'll discuss it. We're going to break that article because it's it's on the long side. We're going to break it into two parts. You know, we'll start mm-hmm. here in a few minutes after the bottom of the hour break. We'll take a break at the top of the hour and then we'll finish. Uh, you know, going through that article, and we'll discuss each half of the article at the end of that particular segment. Right. You know, and this is one of those articles that I, I'm just telling folks right now, you need to get the link. 
you need to read this article. You need to keep the link handy because we're getting into it a little bit quicker than we thought we would when we put this article together with this preliminary trial now being set for August 14th. We didn't know that right. when we when we put the trial together. So we're literally only less now than two months from that preliminary trial. So things may start happening that we talk about in the article faster than we originally thought they would. Absolutely. And there's... Also, one thing that people seem to forget, there's three other indictments coming as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, one it's just a parade of indictments. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but there's one, there's one thing, and I hope people really listen to when I say it, and when you think about it, you're going to go, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's why I say people need to hang on to this article. They need to hang on to it because we're going to start seeing some things directly related to the article in fairly quick order. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. quick, quicker than what we thought. Well, we've gotten to the bottom of the hour. That means we got to take that bottom of the hour break. But when we come back, we'll get started with the boxes hoax on steroids. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk, where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Hi guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out The National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori over there at the Patriot Factor. If you miss any part of tonight's show, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button, and give it a listen. It'll be there waiting for you. 
All right, so this week, Diana and I combined forces and took on a couple of high-profile things that are happening in the news cycle right now, and both are, are going to start, you know, we're going to start seeing things happen uh, regarding right. both of these, you know, different, uh, you know, topics. So they do actually blend together. Uh, Donald Trump, the the raid on Mar-a-Lago, he called it the boxes hoax because, you know, they, they supported it, supposedly took all these boxes of super high double top secret documents and everything. Well, <laughs> it turned out not to be so much. So he calls it the boxes hoax. We call the article the boxes hoax on steroids. And let me stop by saying by now, we all know that on the afternoon of Thursday, June 8th, 2023, the Biden, I should say 2022, the Biden DOJ, as in the still Obama-controlled DOJ, upon completion of special counsel Jack Smith's six months investigation into last year's August 8th FBI raid on President Donald J. Trump's Mar-a-Lago home, formally issued its 49-page indictment against our former president. Now being referred to as a criminal defendant, Trump was immediately summoned to appear at the federal courthouse in Miami on Tuesday, June 13th at 3 p.m. In this, a precedent-setting case revolving around what on the surface appears to be but a case of simple document mishandling. 37 charges in total have now been rendered against President Trump, with 31 being supposed, as in yet to be proven, violations of the Espionage Act, with the remaining charges involving Trump's supposed willful detention of national defense information, his supposed obstruction of justice, supposed conspiracy, supposed making false statements, and supposed concealment under Title 18 of the U.S. Criminal Code, as in the illegal retention of classified and, in some cases, top-secret government documents. And when broken down into more specifics, the charges include Trump's being in violation of 18 U.S.C. 793, as in the gathering, transmitting, or losing defense information, 18 U.S.C. 2071, the concealment, removal, or mutilation of said documents, and 18 U.S.C. 1519, the destruction, alteration, or falsification of records in a federal investigation. And if the DOJ were to supply the law equally for all, as in they're not selectively weaponizing federal law enforcement based upon one's political affiliation or as payback for an election lost, think 2016 here, these exact same charges would be immediately leveled against Joe Biden, levied before he tries to pardon himself. More on that in a bit. Now, as per the property receipts for the 20 or so boxes taken from Trump's Mar-a-Lago home, serious charges were levied because Trump's supposed refusal to return key documents, documents that might have been shown to visitors, documents that did contain intelligence relating to both our and our allies' defense and weapons capabilities. In fact, there was one 
key set of documents very clearly marked as being, quote, various classified TSSCI documents, which refers to top secret and time sensitive compartmented information. And while any records recovered at this level could possibly include human intelligence and information, information that, if disclosed, could not only jeopardize relations between our and other nations, but jeopardize the safety of our troops and place the lives of our and or other intelligence operatives in danger. No, Craig? That such information is at the time of classification, given a date for declassification of up to 25 years, or in certain select cases, more depending upon the duration and sensitivity of said information. So here's where we get into this one charge, this one situation, that might be the sticking point for Trump. And this situation is different from the others. Explain it. Well, in other words, some or even all of the documents taken could have already been declassified just by their very timed out nature alone. Could have been, but apparently all were not. For doing a 2021 meeting at his golf course in New Jersey, President Trump is heard on tape talking to the writers helping Mike Meadows, Trump's last chief of staff, work on his book. On the tape, Trump made note of a classified Pentagon document in his possession, a document that contained, quote, secret military information about a potential attack on Iran, a document he might have thought he declassified but didn't. Quote, I could have declassified certain documents, but now I can't, end quote, were Trump's exact words spoken. And in a way, Trump has not only admitted to dereliction of duty of sorts by his not having declassified a seemingly important classified TSSCI document, but he did so after having previously claimed that he had no, to his knowledge, classified documents in his possession. But the fact remains that Trump did discuss that document with numerous individuals having no security clearance at all, which could be a violation of not only federal law, as in the Espionage Act, but that this very action could have, but thankfully did not have or did not put our country's national security at risk. Unfortunately, while this aspect of the case is basically a simple case of bad judgment or just forgetfulness on Trump's part, that does not change what might be the most damning of all charges levied against him. For every president knows well that they must never, we repeat, never discuss any classified documents with those not having security clearance. But here we must state that we truly believe this was not done by Trump on purpose, nor with malicious intent, but was a careless yet serious security breach on his part. But is such an incident, we personally think not, or I should say indictment, we think not, but we must wait to see how it all plays out in court. However, 
The very nature of these charges has us wondering if Obama, upon his leaving office, left certain classified TSSCI documents unattended to or talked about as well. But for Trump, we believe any actions taken by him would have been intentionally done on purpose. And yet the fact remains that if even one charge is proven, this so-called speaking indictment, which encompasses way more than is necessary to make any legal case, still remains but a selectively enforced indictment for somewhere in the 1,850 boxes of documents that Biden stored at the University of Delaware alone, Craig, there must be boxes of information from the Obama-Biden administration. And there were surely hidden among the, amongst them many classified TSSCI documents. After all, the Obama administration was America's enemy's best friend. Well, you think of that. Eight, you know, 1,850 boxes, those are the ones we know of. You know, I mean, exactly. those, those weren't full of napkins. I mean, uh, you know, you're right. They, there's got to be stuff in there. But if if we look at the charges that, that we're dealing with right now, that this uh, hearing on August 14th is going to begin to deal with in a courtroom, what can we take away from this uh, at this point? Because um, it, it may look one way. It may actually be another way. How should people actually be looking at this? Well, first, the charges levied against President Trump must become part of the public discourse because the indictment as laid out, at least on the surface, is quite damning for the fact is that the DOJ went forward with this investigation even while knowing the negative pushback they would receive to what most consider to be but yet another continuation of the Trump political winch hunt. In other words, the DOJ believes they now have indisputable evidence as to Trump's guilt, courtesy of the fact that witnesses, including his former lawyer and friend Evren Corcoran, gave statements under oath to federal investigators and even quoted Trump's very words, encouraging them and others not to look for documents or allegedly to conceal them. And they did so even while knowing as fact that they could and most likely would be prosecuted if said statements were proven to be false. Simply, Few would put themselves or their families in such a precarious situation unless what they stated was indeed truth. Now add in the fact that within a day of the indictment being announced, two of Trump's current top attorneys, Jim Trustee and John Rowley, both of whom represented Trump in special counsel Jack Smith's investigation, went their separate ways. And why? Saying in a joint statement that, quote, now that the case has been filed in Miami, this is a logical moment for us to step aside and let others carry the cases through to completion simply makes no sense. For the best persons to handle a case such as this are the very attorneys who were directly involved with the investigation itself. 
Why so? Because they know both the specifics and the many intricacies involved in not just putting a case like this together, but also they know the logistics of how and on what grounds the specific allegations were not only made, but in a word, were made to stick. And while changing attorneys midstream is not unheard of by any means, a precedent-setting historic case such as this needs on Trump's team those most familiar with the how and the why such charges were officially made. And this is especially critical when Trump's last chance to bargain for less serious charges came and went when his two lawyers met for the last time with justice officials just three days before the indictment went public. And while numerous allegations have been made against President Trump in the past, with most thankfully being debunked for the farce that they were, there is a certain dotting of all the I's and crossing of all the T's in this case that did not exist with any of the other charges levied against him. Craig, it boils down to simply, there is more riding on this case than on any of the other cases that came before. Well, I would agree with that. And even though this is kind of a uh, a continuation, you know, as we said of the kangaroo court system that, you know, the witch hunt uh, scenario that Trump's unfortunately been a part of over the years. This one is different. This one uh, is more groundbreaking in a lot of ways because we've never seen anything quite like this ever. No. You know, with this being a case not tried before in U.S. history for no previous nor sitting president has ever been brought up on federal charges, even Rick Richard Nixon resigned before such charges could be brought. This case of the government alleging that Trump willfully kept sensitive information about U.S. and foreign defense capabilities and that he shared classified information with people who did not have security clearances clearly sets the hallmark of being precedent in nature. It seems to us that Trump's well-known ego caused him to simply be careless in regards to whom he spoke to and what he shared with them. We believe Trump did what he did not to betray the country that he so loves, but to bolster said ego as a means by which to help circle the MAGA wagons around him to assure him the Republican nomination, meaning what some now deem a betrayal is actually just Trump being Trump, a patriot and our former great president whose major flaws have always been not knowing when to shut his mouth and give his tweeting finger a rest, always coupled with his need for ego-boosting bravado and attention. We know Trump was careless in his storing of documents taken. Every president is. Biden even stored classified documents in his car and in his garage. But a simple case of bad judgment and carelessness does not a crime of the magnitude now being leveled against Trump make. Remember, 
nothing taken from the Mar-a-Lago raid in any way compromised our national security. No documents were taken out of Trump's home to be stored elsewhere. No one broke into his home to steal any such documents, and surely no national secrets were betrayed, for if they had been, Jack Smith and his DOJ lynch mob would have brought charges of treason against President Trump, and they did not. And why didn't he? Because Joe Biden and crew can now use President Trump's woes as a means to divert and deflect attention away from Biden's $5 million bribe-taking scandal, which gives them plenty of time to find the perfect excuse for replacing the ever-so-pathetic Biden-Harris ticket with Hillary and whomever, for it always was and remains about Democrat vote garnering. After all, Trump v. Hillary round two would bring Democrat voters out en masse. But if Trump is found guilty and sentenced to prison, even though legally he can still run, Obama and his buddy Soros will have taken America down and without barely having to lift a finger. And not only that, but Biden can then pardon himself Hunter and his fellow crime family members before being forced to step down? Or can he, for a sitting president, Craig, pardoning himself is as much a precedent-setting case as is the case against President Trump? You know, there's going to be new ground broken any way you look at it. Mm-hmm. You, know, the, you know, the case against Trump is precedent-setting. Uh, if Biden tries to pardon himself, that's precedent setting. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this, you know, uh, a lot of people just trying to get through their daily lives aren't really paying that close of attention to this, and, and they should, because we're going to see things happen starting in August, starting a month and a half from now, that are right. going to be precedent setting. I mean, all the, all the way down the line. Now, this uh, this audio tape uh, of Trump uh, apparently talking to uh, the people that were writing the book about Mark Meadows and and going off on this plan for Iran that is also kind of a an odd deal in that in all the boxes that the FBI raided out of Mar-a-Lago that document wasn't there. No, and it's now they're still saying, yeah, they're saying he showed it, you know, uh, to these guys and the the audio tapes, you know, uh, they say prove that he showed it to to those uh, people in that uh, golf club and everything. Yet they don't have Exhibit A. Trump no. says at this point he says there never was that document. Now, but I they don't have know. witnesses who, saw, who he showed it to and said they saw it. Right. That's and, 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 the they also, and they also had witnesses that saw him collude with Russia, and they also had witnesses that no, saw him these are his friends. These are, no, no, no. These are his friends who saw the document. Oh. That cannot change. That's why That's, I said this is the only thing they can really try to get him on and, and nothing I think, else and i think that that is going to play a big part in motions that are made this coming august right you know they, and, they can make all the motions they want 
but they have the tape. They have the well, witness statements who were friends of Trump saying I, they saw it. They're going to have to try to discredit the I, friends, I would assume. Well, maybe. I mean, and that comes with the regular trial. Okay, mm-hmm. that that doesn't happen in the preliminary trial. But I'll tell you, one of the tactics to look forward to in the preliminary trial is I I will I will bet a dozen donuts that Trump's attorneys say that document, even though nobody can find it, would have been covered by the Presidential Records Act and not subject, therefore, to the Espionage Act. That is a tactic that I expect. Yeah, that is a tactic that I expect them to take. That is a motion that I expect them to put forward. And that's why I'm saying, people, you got to start paying attention to this stuff because every last thing that happens beginning on August 14th is precedent-setting. Everything. But, you know, there was, in all this hoo-ha-ha about Trump and the documents... And, and even Biden in the documents, everybody has overlooked a very simple solution that should be put in place immediately so that this never happens again. Why should the president take government documents with him? We're not talking about personal things. We're talking government documents that concern our security, our, our weapons capability, etc. Why does a president who is leaving office, any president of any party who is leaving office, why do they have to take them? Those documents have happened while they were president. They're no longer president. They're, those documents are basically kind of negated in a way. I could see taking personal mementos, things like that, letters and correspondence, whatever. But no president leaving office needs to take government well, documents with them. And None. It's a good point. You know, and not only is that a good point, it's a good question. Another question is exactly what documents did Trump have? Right. You know, I mean, we don't even know that. For fact, it'll come out in court. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest problems in Washington, D.C. is overclassification. And, you know, this is why, you know, when, when they did the raid on Mar-a-Lago a year ago, you know, one of the one of the things that apparently was in one of the boxes was a menu from a dinner. And that's fine. That's what I well, consider the personal things let right. a president take it but 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 here's the problem those things also tend to get classified in Washington DC it's called overclassification you know yeah, a, a, a cocktail napkin with a with a handwritten note on it a menu from a dinner those things wind up getting classified too you know and, no what i'm ta- what i'm talking about is nothing from the pentagon should be allowed to leave Nothing, let's say, right. I agree. Uh, from any of the intelligence gathering information, nothing concerning a foreign country. The, the little mementos, fine, take them. But nothing really should be leaving with a former president. Yeah, nothing. I, I agree. And that, it seems like it would be a simple fix. But I don't see either side 
of the aisle rushing to put that forth. Exactly. Well, you know why? Because none of them have probably ever thought about it. It's so simple. Remember, Washington makes everything complicated. Exactly. They don't do things with simple logic and common sense. What I said was a common sense logic to a solution so this never happens again. That would never cross the politicians in D.C.'s mind. Yeah, you've got to really quit being so logical. I know. Because it (laughs) it makes too much sense. I know. You know, and and tangible realities, I call them. Well, and see, if if you were in charge, if you were in charge of those things, they probably you you probably would tell them you can't classify a dinner menu, right? Because because that's common sense. But we can't have common sense in Washington. That's how dinner menus get classified. Well, you, you no, know? no, it's not that simple. What happens is usually they might have scribbled a note or something on the menu. And that's why it gets thrown in with that evening's well, a, a lot paraphernalia, of it, basically. A lot of it. Let's say, let's say the a president, any president, has a state dinner, right? And mm-hmm. uh, you know, honoring some uh, dignitary from a foreign country, and at the dinner, you know, the the two are sitting together. Let's say, uh, you know, President A and Prime Minister B, and they may talk about something that might be classified just, you know, over the shrimp cocktail. And because of that, everything having to do with the dinner, because Washington makes things complicated, gets classified. I mean, it's so ridiculous. It's all all ridiculous. This whole system of the national archives how they operate is not based on common sense at all no i mean years ago after i'd say after world war ii and the atomic secrets came out the atomic bomb came out from that point on nothing should have been allowed to leave with a president there was there is no reason for them to take it none you know and yet all presidents have done it right um you know you you i don't think you could find a single president that hasn't done it and right. neither side is rushing towards the common sense table that diane proposes so you know mm. it, it, you you got to look at this and go well this is going to be an ongoing thing um, it's, it's just totally bizarre, but that pretty well encapsulate what Trump is looking at and what's going to start going to trial preliminary trial anyway, on August 14th, the different charges, different ramifications for those charges, sticking points, uh, BS points. It's all included. Right. There. Right. And, and in, in this part of the article, um, I have the 49-page indictment. Right. You can click on those words, and you'll see the actual 49-page indictment, page by page by page. I also give a link to the Espionage Act so people can understand exactly what that is. It's not, you know, uh, just about spying by any no. means. No, no, it's, um, it's not. And And weirdly... 
the Presidential Records Act takes precedence over the Espionage Act, which, again, doesn't make logical sense, but no. that's the way it is. No. Yeah. Uh, well, most things Washington do, does doesn't make sense anyway. <laughs> you've, no, you've noticed that, have you? <laughs> you know, you don't have to look very hard. You can see that, you know, if aliens came from outer space, they would not be looking for intelligent life in Washington, D.C., that's true. It's just just the way it is. Okay, so we've got to take a top-of-the-hour break here. But when we come back, we're going to be talking about whether or not Joe Biden actually has the ability or the constitutional ability to issue a self-pardon. And you'll see how this ties in to everything that was just said. Yeah, I mean, it all ties together, and it's all precedent-setting. So stay with us. There's more on Right Side Patriots after this. Hey, guys. Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's longtime Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen and Diane Sorry getting you through a Tuesday night edition of the show. And if you miss any part of it, Go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button, and it'll be there, ready for you to listen to. All right, before the break, we said we were going to get in, excuse me, get into the part where can or cannot Joe Biden actually issue a self-pardon. And to understand the possibilities regarding likely pardons, one must first consider what the Constitution has to say on the matter. The pardon power of the President is based on Article 2, Section 2, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution, which provides the President 
shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment, unquote. Now, the Constitution sets two clear limits on presidential pardons. First, that such pardons may only be granted for offenses against the United States, which excludes any offenses regarding state or civil cases, and the second being that such pardons are disallowed in cases of impeachment. That leaves defining what exactly is meant by in cases of impeachment. Does it mean that someone who's been impeached cannot receive a presidential pardon, as some scholars contend, or does it mean that an impeached president cannot provide a pardon, as other scholars contend? The Constitution does not elaborate, and thus it is most likely that the matter would end up at the U.S. Supreme Court, where a ruling would have to be rendered. So, can a president pardon himself? Now, that's the key question here, and one that is unprecedented as no president has ever tried to employ the tactic before. Most legal scholars agree that a president's pardon power does not extend to forgiving crimes and misdemeanors that the House might charge in a bill of impeachment, nor does it prevent a Senate trial on a House-passed impeachment. It's also believed by legal scholars that the impeachment exception provided in the Constitution precludes presidential pardons for those who have aided the president in activities that have given or threatened to give rise to a presidential impeachment. That legal argument is based on the notion that without it, any president could conspire with others to commit crimes against the nation that would benefit himself and those engaged in the conspiracy with impunity, as the self-pardon would essentially, and in reality, set the president above any laws of the land. That, Diane, of course, is an opinion held by many legal scholars, but not by all legal scholars, and thus it would most likely rise to the level of being in need of a Supreme Court ruling. Well, it's interesting to note, have we really ever come super close to a president doing a self-pardon? Wasn't there a time when we came pretty close, but it never went through? Yeah, there was. Potentially the closest we ever came to a presidential self-pardon was when President Nixon floated the idea to his legal counsel and Mary Lawton, the acting assistant attorney general, wrote that the president could not pardon himself because of the fundamental rule that no one may be a judge in his own case. Now that, too, was an opinion and not a ruling, and while it makes perfect sense, it requires a ruling from the Supreme Court before it could be considered law. Now making the case against presidential self-pardons even more interesting is the fact that these very questions were raised by liberals during the Trump administration as they were concerned that Trump himself might attempt a self-pardon, and liberals were set to argue against such a move based in large part on the opinion of Mary Lawton for the reasons stated before. (coughs) Now, some of those same liberals 
that were dead set against the possibility of a presidential self-pardon where Trump was concerned would likely argue in favor of the notion should Biden attempt the tactic. So, it seems that a presidential self-pardon may well be unconstitutional, however, without a Supreme Court ruling, it remains murky. But what about a pardon from Joe Biden regarding Hunter Biden? Now, following the opinions of many legal scholars, Joe Biden would not be able to pardon Hunter Biden <clears throat> for any crimes in which Hunter Biden was involved in a conspiracy resulting in or connected to crimes committed by Joe Biden, and that presents a whole different legal conundrum. Joe could essentially pardon Hunter for crimes involving violations of federal laws like falsifying records, as in the gun permit case, but <clears throat> would such a pardon be constitutionally available regarding money laundering or pay-to-play schemes that involved monies paid to Hunter and then transferred to Joe with or without or with regard to tax evasion had some of the monies received by Hunter, monies not reported to the IRS, then been distributed to Joe Biden. Following the line of legal opinion that would have been employed in the attempt to disallow such pardons by President Trump, but now embraced in the effort to relieve Biden of being tried for his and his son's alleged crimes, it would seem, Diane, that pardons handed out by Joe Biden to his son or to himself would be unconstitutional. It seems that way, but it's not settled law. Not without that Supreme Court ruling. Well, you know, you have to break it down even further than a simple ruling because uh, some people who are experts on constitutional law and also, you know, U.S. history, they look at the whole criminal process in a different way than the average person does. Right, that's that's very true. One yeah. line of legal theory regarding presidential self-pardons is what we just talked about. But regardless of how you make a, how flat you make a pancake, that pancake still has two sides, and the other side of this particular legal pancake has been floated by Brian Colt, an expert on constitutional law, presidential history, and he's a law professor at Michigan State University. Now, Colt's legal theory holds that the criminal process and the impeachment process are separate, and that a sitting president retains all of his presidential powers, including the pardon power, <clears throat> until he's convicted or his term comes to an end. That line of legal theory means that a president can still issue pardons, whether related to his own impeachment or not, even excuse me, while he's being impeached. Now, that line of thought holds that Biden could issue both himself, Hunter, and potentially others presidential pardons, even if the alleged crimes result in Biden's own impeachment. That, of course, begs the question, can a presidential pardon be overturned? Well, it seems that should Biden pardon himself, Hunter, 
and or others in matters related to crimes involving himself and then leave office before the rendering of a ruling by the U.S. Supreme Court, those pardons would stand and could not be reversed by either the courts or any future president. And this would seem to indicate that the timing of any attempt to a self-pardon by Joe Biden might well be the key. But what does that mean exactly? Well, it means that were Joe Biden to attempt a self-pardon and pardons for Hunter or anyone else in the mix of crimes related to Joe Biden, such a scenario might well include the issuance of said pardons followed rapidly by Joe Biden's resignation from office. That is, unless he can stall off issuing such pardons until that time frame between losing the 2024 election in November and leaving office the following January. In that case, Diane, Joe Biden could wait until his final days in office to issue said pardons while not leaving enough time for the Supreme Court decision to be made, thus codifying those pardons with no chance of having them nullified. Well, you've got to ask yourself the question here, will the Supreme Court take the case? Will they take it in enough time for a decision to be made in a timely manner? Or will they say, this is not in our jurisdiction, send it back to the lower courts I, you know, sort of like you know going around and around and nobody really knows what they're doing yeah it's like a dog chasing its own tail and not knowing what to do if it catches it exactly you know regardless of what path of legal theory is followed by either side of this equation all roads lead to the u.s supreme court but at what point would the nation's highest court wade into the depths of such murky and uncharted waters A ruling from the Supreme Court would best serve the country sooner rather than later, and while not impossible, it would be unlikely that the Supreme Court would entertain the request without a direct cause to hear it. In other words, it would be unlikely for the Supreme Court to take the matter up unless or until Joe Biden attempts to become the first in his position to issue a self-pardon. Now, the Supreme Court could act in a preemptive manner, but will they? What's at stake here is a constitutional matter. And in the potential case regarding Joe and Hunter Biden, it's in regards to alleged bribery, which may well have compromised national security. The potential case would revolve around Biden's accepting an alleged $5 million bribe from a foreign national that is reportedly a Russian agent, who allegedly has audio tapes of conversations between himself, Hunter Biden, who also received a $5 million payout, and Joe Biden when Joe was the vice president. Tapes that may well have been used as blackmail against Joe Biden. Should Mm -hmm. Joe Biden pardon himself, Hunter, and anyone else involved in the alleged crimes and get away with it because of such pardons, it would set precedent that any future president could be above the law. And even if the Supreme Court were to rule against self-pardons, in effect to not allow future presidents that option, Joe Biden would have been allowed to commit a very high crime indeed without fear of punishment for it. 
Now, given the complex nature of both lines of legal theory regarding the presidential self-pardons, the murky waters surrounding uh, inconclusive constitutional direction and the dire nature of the alleged crimes committed by Joe Biden, Right Side Patriots believes the action should be taken immediately to stop the pending scenario that Joe Biden could get away scot-free, thus potentially having committed such high crimes against our nation. Our suggestion would be to have constitutional attorneys bring a case to a friendly federal court and at the very least seek an injunction preventing Joe Biden from using a self-pardon to alleviate himself of any ramifications for committing such high crimes and, in Diane, in effect, to get the case on the U.S. Supreme Court docket at the earliest possible moment. And again, we go back to the thing, you might request that to happen, but will it happen? Yeah, there I is know. No, there is no law or statute or anything that states the Supreme Court must take a case. Right. It's up to them. It takes four right. of the nine Supreme Court justices to agree to take a case. Exactly. So, you know, will they? Won't they? Might they? May they not? <laughs> it's all up in the air. Exactly. Further, We contend that any ruling less than making a presidential self-pardon unconstitutional would then allow any future president to issue a blanket or specific self-pardon on his or her first day in office, setting that president above any law as a monarch rather than as a president. But remember, just because it needs to be done post-haste does not necessarily mean the Supreme Court will do it at all. Mm Mm-hmm. In conclusion, the case against President Trump relies heavily on the Espionage Act plus a conviction on espionage charges. And this will require the DOJ to prove intent on Trump's part as to do harm to the United States or to aid foreign adversaries with regards to keeping documents in his possession. Without said Espionage Act, the case boils down to the Presidential Records Act where it becomes difficult or nearly impossible to gain a conviction unless it can be proven beyond a reasonable doubt that Trump knowingly and with malice refused to turn documents over to the National Archives while knowing that the documents were not his to keep as per the Presidential Records Act. As for Joe Biden, the big guy who acquiesced to doing favors for money while vice president, the walls are now closing in. And in a particularly impartial, or a politically, I should say, impartial judicial system, he would be indicted on charges of of accepting bribes from a foreign national who is, in fact, a Russian agent. There is a money trail. There is testimony from a highly trusted source. There are alleged audio tapes that not only purportedly involve the bribes to Joe and Hunter Biden, but also negate years' worth of statements made by Biden that he had no knowledge of or involvement in Hunter's nefarious business dealings. But it's not a fair system. It's been politically weaponized. And it's not the justice system as we've known it to be. 
It is now the system of injustice with weighted scales and heavy political bias. To Merrick Garland, the FBI, and far too many in the judicial process, Trump is required to prove his innocence rather than the government needing to prove his guilt. All the while, the Biden crime family has been ignored by Garland, the FBI, and the judicial process. Make no mistake, the outcome of these two cases will eventually determine whether or not the American people can ever again have trust in our judicial system. That's very true. And right now, I'd say that trust is broken. I I think it's shattered. I mean, it's like you and I were talking about early on in the show. Yeah, if you can't, you know, they're not even trying. The left isn't even trying to hide the two-tier justice system anymore. And if you can't see it, you're absolutely blind. Right. Right. Um, There's there's a whole different system for Democrats, a different system for Republicans. And the higher you go up in the political pecking order, the more murky and manipulative the system becomes it's all part of which agenda are you going to follow and adhere to right and you know we we see things on a daily basis aside from what we discuss in this article you know we see we see this two-tier justice system on a daily basis in fact diane next week you're doing an article that pertains to that in a way too yes (laughs) Definitely. I'm taking on the um, Daniel Perry case, but not in the way most people think. Yeah, I mean, and that that's a whole different ball of wax, too. But, yes, but, it is. But, you know, even with Daniel Penny, the two-tier Penny. justice yep. system is in effect. I mean... It, it absolutely is, because Bragg is the DA in New York who, you know, forced the indictment to be made, and uh, there's a lot of racism involved in this case. A lot. A lot, a lot. Racism. <clears throat> Truck, truckloads. Yes. Um, you know, you're dealing with that next week, but, you know, we're going to start seeing in August, mid-August of this year, as this uh, the Trump case goes to preliminary trial and the walls continue to close in on Joe Biden, all the things that we talk about in this joint article are going to start <clears throat> showing up. They're going to start happening. Yes, absolutely. And I, I'd i like to place a little bet here that most of the charges are going to disappear and that the one charge that's going to be the albatross will be the showing of classified documents as per the tape. I'll I'll tell you what, just to be just to play devil's advocate, I'll take that bet. And let's okay. make let's make the bet a steak dinner. So either way I win. <laughs> steak will never touch my mouth. <laughs> see that see if if you win the bet, I would have to buy you a steak dinner, but you won't eat steak, so I win. If if I win the bet, I do eat steak, and you buy me a steak dinner, and I win again. Ah, okay. Well, if I win, I get to pick the place. 
guess who's going vegetarian? <laughs> uh, not for a steak dinner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it, that that one charge, that's going to be the sticky part. I agree. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. You know, but how it works out in the wash, nobody knows. Because knows. we've never, the, even that one charge is precedent setting. We've never been there before. The Espionage Act has been around since 1917. Right. How many right. people have been charged under the Espionage Act? A few. There are a few. You know, and, and that goes way, 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 way back. Right. Well, the thing that I'd like to know is where is this document? Who took the document and who probably destroyed the document? If the document ever existed to begin with. Now, I know there's testimony. I know there's there's witnesses. Oh, Trump admitted there was a document. But now he says there wasn't. So it's on tape. He admitted it. It was a Pentagon document. He admitted it. I, I understand. If he's denying it now. We're I, in serious trouble. I, I understand. I'm just. I, I'm just giving you the facts. You know. I mean. I think at some point the document existed. I think mm-hmm. at some point the document disappeared. We have the no Pentagon idea. Pentagon said it. 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 The document exists. I'm not. I'm not challenging it. I'm just giving you the facts. Fact one: Donald Trump admitted to having the document. Fact two: Donald Trump now says there was no document. I'm not saying one any either way. I'm just giving you the facts, and I think there was a document. I think the document disappeared. I, like you, would like to know what happened to it. Well, if Trump admitted the document existed, and now he says the document did not exist, that doesn't look very good for Trump. But that's not the point. What happened to the document? Because nobody seems to know where the document is. The FBI doesn't have it, or at least they claim they don't have it. I wouldn't be surprised if the FBI didn't destroy it. That wouldn't surprise me, not one bit. I mean, given given the situation with our FBI today, that would not surprise me at all yeah you know so what happened i mean and how much of this is going to be able to be proven in court how much of it can't be proven in court you know and here's the one thing that we don't even talk about in this article but when this thing gets to court if it gets to court and i think it will when this gets to court it takes one juror to hang the jury Mm mm-hmm you know, if, well, a case if eleven, of this magnitude, if, honestly, a case of this magnitude should really be tried before the Supreme Court. Yeah, but they don't hear cases like that. I they, know, I they, know. I'm they, saying that. I know. You know, I mean, this will go before a jury in Miami, right? Mm-hmm. And a jury of twelve, and if eleven of them say he's guilty and one says he's not, it's a hung jury. If 11 people say he's not guilty and one says he is, it's a hung jury. Right. I mean... And a hung jury just means it's going to go on and on and on. Right. So, I mean, this this is... This is going to be the... uh, You know, and I understand we're only in 2021. 
23. Or 23, but I, I can't, you know, 21st century. I, I firmly believe this may wind up being the trial of the 21st century. Because this it, is breaking all well. new ground. It might very well. And it's it, it, it's going to have people wondering, okay, are there other papers besides the Constitution that might give alludings to something like this? You know, you, you look at the, the Federalist papers, mm-hmm. you know. And, That's and what I mean. S- yeah, and you see what, what that says, but... You know, those Federalist Papers don't hold any legal weight either. No, they don't, but they might give an indication. As to what the founders and and framers were thinking. Yeah, and and maybe something could be done from that angle. But I think that everything, seriously, nothing in these charges matters except that one point. He discussed and showed classified documents, admittedly. The tape says it. The witnesses say it. He admitted at first the document was there. Now there's no document. So right then and there, the opposition is going to have a field day. Well, what is it, Mr. President? You know, two against one here or three against one. This is going to get dirty. Well, and it all boils down to, is that document... When it existed, wherever it was, was that document covered by the Presidential Records Act, or was it not? Because well, if not, then, it's, then it goes to the, the Espionage Act. So Here's something very interesting that no one has thought about. This was a Pentagon document, okay? The Pentagon makes copies of its, of its papers. Why hasn't anybody thought of going into the Pentagon and saying the document concerning blah, 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 document number, whatever, it's got to exist somewhere. Maybe not the original, but a copy of it. You would think. You would Mm -hmm. think. It's all going to start coming out in the wash in about a month and a half. Now, what we want you to do is either go to Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, my blog, thenationalpatriot.com, or rspradio1.com, where you can find the link to this article, The Boxes Hoax on Steroids. Hang on to it, because it's all going to come out in the wash. Oh, yeah, and it's not going to be pretty. No, it's going to get downright ugly. Yeah, and don't be surprised, folks. I... I hope this doesn't happen, because if it does, it kind of admits guilt. Uh, but there could be a, pre, a plea deal eventually cut. Wait and see. But with yep. that, we're out of time. And with that, Star Trek awaits. Nighty night, folks. Good night, everybody. Have a great rest of the week. We'll catch up with you again on Friday. Friday.